No, it's not the intro to some cheesy Christmas movie on Netflix. It's the last Woolwork podcast of the year. Welcome in to the Will Work Podcast. This is episode 122. There's some kind of, I think there's some kind of festive holiday happening sometime quite soon. Not sure what what that is and what that's all about. Uh, but if you would like a breakaway from mostly talking of the C word... Settle in for a while with me. Set your wool phasers to comfy and cosy. Although I should say, before we get comfy and cosy, I cannot start the podcast without saying how uncomfortable this time of year can be for so many of us. And I'll talk about Christmas in just a moment, but it might have escaped your attention. But here in the UK, we've just had a catastrophic in my ever so humble opinion election result and feelings of anxiety and grief and terror are abounding. Um, The UK has been under conservative rule for nine, ten years now and like the last time they had a stronghold uh, on the UK, there has been, uh, you know, I don't mind using it again, catastrophic effects to people of the UK and to services and to just to so much. Austerity is 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 crippling people. You know, since the Conservatives have been in power, two thousand over two thousand food banks have been established. In the UK. It's shocking. I just don't know how many more people are going to be pushed to poverty as they continue. Um, and it's not just that. Racism, Islamophobia, xenophobia, homophobia, transphobia. They're all very clearly at home in the corridors of power. And that is just leeching out into society further and higher all the time. I could go on about the damage that's been done to our National Health Service or the damage that's been done since the EU referendum and the continued blunders through Brexit omni-shambles. Like many people here, I feel despondent and despairing at times. You know, just sitting thinking about what might happen if that poor excuse of a US president gets in a room with the poor excuse of a prime minister god only knows what might happen it's it's dreadful i i please know that if you feel like i feel or if you live somewhere where things like that are the same 
you know that I am sending you a hug of solidarity and you know that is one of the things that I feel next to despondency and despair um you know when I posted on social media after the election result I just felt lots of solidarity um you know and there is strength that comes from from those feelings um it's not easy to put into words but there is something powerful in and just knowing that you're not alone and that you you feel the same way um so know that i hold space here for you in my hug um if you feel that way too and boy when you talk about politics it doesn't it does make the whole festive holiday thing feel like a holiday but i only joke about that because i know what it's like and it's not the case for all of us that quotes festive with a sarcastic ho 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 this time of year is 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 not festive festive for lots of us and just know that there's someone else who gets it there are a lot of us who get it we know that it's not fun there are those of us who know it can be painful or lonely or for no utterable fathomable reason you find the winter hard and it can be hard to fight our way through all of the mental murk but self-care was made for for things like this and I hope that you can carve out some time for you that's just for you that is dedicated to some small act um, that makes you feel good or calm or spoiled or just takes you away from that mental and physical murk that lifts you above it um, for a small time. One of my favourite things to do uh, is to pick a, a festive uh, audiobook because I don't hate Christmas, you know, I just like it, just like it intensely. But I like Christmas stories, poems, writing, songs, things like that, as you'll hear later in the podcast. Um, so, yeah, I like to get a sort of a Christmassy um, festive audiobook to listen to um, that I can listen to in its entirety for a couple of hours. Usually when it's when I'm cooking dinner, um, it's quite nice. I heartily recommend the Matt Haig Christmas books, um, The Boy called Christmas and the girl who saved Christmas those are brilliant um, and there's another one as well which I'm forgetting the title of but I'll put links in the show notes they're just brilliant and Matt Haig is an incredible writer who um, has has written books called Reasons to Stay Alive and Notes from a Nervous Planet and those are also excellent but it could be anything you could you know Self-care, self-keeping, self-preserving. These are all things that we seem to deny ourselves. And tiny little small acts of rebelling against that are really good and do you the world of good. They really do. And um, Self-care cinema is another favourite of mine. I like to go to the cinema, just pick myself up and go to the cinema and see something and take knitting with me and just do sorkinet, some or garter, you know. I love that. Uh, I've not done that for a while actually so I might be doing that this festive season I'm using festive with you know air quotes please believe me you know it's not festive for all of us um, so yeah self care is really important
collaboration. Well, taking on a whole breed group again, it's always interesting. Um, this time we looked at the Welsh Mountain Breed Group, which comprises of Black Welsh Mountain, South Welsh Mountain, Welsh Mountain or White Welsh Mountain, Balwyn uh, and the Badger Faces, Torthy and Torwen. And thank you very much to everyone who pointed out that it is pronounced Torthy and not Tordu. <laughs> There has been a lot of great work and a lot of great chat uh, this time, again, uh, over in the Woolwork Ravelry group. And I have decided to split up the wool exploration across the episode today because there is just so much um, to get through. First of all, we will start with a little bit of background on the Welsh Mountain Group. And that comes from Adam Henson's book, A Breed Apart, My Life with Rare Breeds. And um, then we will look particularly at the Badgerface, Tarthi and Torwen and Balwyn uh, and have our Wool Explorers experience of those. Uh, and then we'll uh, get cracking with um, Black Welsh Mountain and some of the other breeds um, a bit later on in the show. I've used this book a couple of times over the last few wool explorations. But Adam Henson, he has written about uh, Welsh mountain sheep and I think this gives a really good um, context and background. In the past, mountain breeds were never monitored and registered in the sense of having formal breed societies and flock books. That means that a lot of uncertainty and conflicting accounts when it comes to getting hard facts about their history something that is not easy with even the best recorded breeds. Just as every Welsh mountain range is unique, so is the mountain sheep that live on them, and they all differ. What they have in common, though, is that the ewes are hefted on the slopes while the rams might be brought down and exchanged at the nearest mart, so the livestock never move more than 20 or 30 miles in their entire lives. There's limited human involvement in the way they live, and in some ways it's Charles Darwin's great theory at work, as it really is a case of what survives, lives and goes on to breed to bring on the next generation. The ewes are great mothers because they have to be. They're instinctive and the sort of sheep that can sniff the air and know a storm is coming. That's when they'll shift to the drier side of a rocky outcrop to get the best sh shelter. They are remarkable creatures. Starting at the top, the breed that's easiest to remember is straightforwardly named Welsh Mountain. It's a small, strong, shaggy-fleeced animal which seems to do best in the wettest, harshest places. The ewes have sweet, gentle faces while the rams sport wonderful curved horns. 600 years ago, it was their milk that was in demand, but by the 19th century, attention had turned to the taste, quality and tenderness of their meat, with Queen Victoria herself demanding that lamb from the Welsh mountain breed was served by the royal kitchens. Back to the mountains, there's the South Wales breed, which is sometimes called the Nelson or the Glamorgan. It has a harsh, wiry fleece and there's a fair chance that if you've bought a British wool carpet or a rug, it's contained South Wales mountain fibre. Its claim to fame is it is the largest of all the Welsh mountain breeds. 
Still on the high ground, there are a handful of breeds that we call the coloured sheep of Wales. First is the badger-faced Welsh mountain sheep, and everything you need to know about them is in the name. There are two types which are identical apart from having reverse colouring. The Torvi, a white sheep with a black belly, and the Torwen, a black sheep with a white belly. Side by side, it's like looking at a negative. Mid Wales is the stronghold of the Black Welsh Mountain Sheep, which can be traced back to written accounts from the Middle Ages, where the Black Fleece Mountain Sheep were first recorded. Their wool is short, thick and firm to handle, and it never needs to be dyed, so it's perfect for making cloth or for traditional Welsh woolens. While the ram's horns can be turned into buttons, knife handles and used for walking sticks. The Balwyn is the black sheep with white socks developed by a small group of Victorian breeders in the Towie Valley. They are small and boxy, but despite being a tough mountain breed, the Balwyn was almost wiped out in the freezing winter of 1947, when the worst snow for 50 years left just one ram surviving. As we come down the mountain to the lower upland slopes, we find the hill breeds. They are the sensible sheep of the flock. They don't make a fuss, they just get on with being sheep. They are bigger than the mountain breeds, with heavy, less coarse fleece, and they live in large flocks. The ewes are normally normally polled, generally give birth to twins and produce a fair amount of milk, but they don't have anything like the the grit and resilience of their mountain cousins and probably couldn't survive if moved to higher ground. Lower down, though, they're great grazers, and as a lot of grassland conservation needs hungry animals to clear weeds and undergrowth, the hill sheep of Wales uh, do the job handsomely, not to mention sensibly. Um, I'll stop there. I just wanted to say a little bit about um, the... um, hill structure and thought that was really interesting to have the little comparison between um, the mountain sheep and the hill sheep. So quite a few sheep to be getting on with um, there. I have also used the Fleece and Fibre Sourcebook by Deb Robson and Carol Icarius uh, for most of my reading. The Fleece and Fibre Sourcebook groups the Welsh Mountain and the Hill Breeds together in a, a whole section, which is really, really interesting. And as the authors write, uh, and as we will discover, the Welsh Mountain Breeds and their variants need time and concentration to study. Um, because they're really, really interesting. Um, they're Much of them come from old land races um, and haven't significantly changed over the years. And interesting, again, to note, as uh, Adam Henson said, that registration came a lot later, so we don't know how changed they are today from, from that ancient breed. We should start alphabetically, I guess, with the badger faces, although they are... Torvi and Torwen. Badger faces are believed to be amongst the oldest of the British breeds. They are two distinct breeds. Torvi, meaning black belly in Welsh. Uh, Torvi have white wool and a black belly. Their strip of black runs from under their chin to their tail and they have black strips at the eyes. And of course Torwen is as you've heard reversed. Um, so the colours are reversed um, and 
the eye strips are slightly smaller. It's said that Torwen coloured sheep show similarities with the Soe breed, which is of course another of the oldest breeds of the U of the UK. And sheep of the description of the badger face uh, are mentioned in the Doomsday Book of 1086, but the origins are, are unclear. The badger faces are meat breeds, so wool has not been given a lot of attention. Um, it's often described as carpet wool. Uh, Kemp is uh, often present and uh, in breeding it's seen as a, a mark of their hardiness um, if a lot of Kemp is present. Uh, fleece is lightweight. Um, staple is three to four inches long. Locks are rectangular with tapering tips. And the micron count is 35 to 37 microns. So we are definitely over the bendy fibre um, mark. Uh, you know, fibre that is under 30 microns is a lot more bendable, um, as we've, we've discovered, against the skin, a lot more finer. So as that fibre diameter increases, so does um, the prickle factor. Badger-faced sheep are a popular breed in Wales and they're more prolific than the Black Welsh Mountain. Um, they apparently have the biggest amount of entries in the Royal Welsh Show and uh, meat is said to be superb, um, exceptional for flavour and for tenderness. Balwyn is uh, the next breed that we're going to look at. Balwyn is... Uh, on the at-risk sheep watch list for the Rare Breed Survival Trust. There are between 900 and 1,500 breeding yows. They were established in the 19th century um, as a meat breed, primarily. The Breed Society uh, was only formed in 1985. Uh, these sheep are cute as anything. <laughs> they... Uh, um, are black with a very characteristic white blaze from the top of the head uh, to the nose and they have four white socks and a white tail tip. Rams are horned and yows are polled. Um, they're just super, super cute. They're quite a compact sheep and um, they were developed in the Towie Valley in Carmarthenshire. Uh, the name Balwyn comes from that white blaze um, on the sheep's face. With that um, description of how they look, they're very distinctive, so they're easy to identify um, in the landscape. In 1947, as mentioned in that passage from Adam Henson, uh, a particularly harsh winter left only one Balwyn ram. So it was enthusiastic local breeders who brought the numbers up and that's why a flock book was um, established in 1985. Um, still obviously at risk breed um, and it's largely thanks to smallholders um, that this breed has continued to, to thrive. Balwyn can be quite a docile sheep and easy to bucket train. Um, they're also apparently quite resistant to diseases like foot rot and fly strike. The natural colour of the fleece is a black, brown, dark grey. Um, the fleece generally, generally weighs one to two kilograms. Uh, the shape of the staple is short and blocky, uh, two to three inches long. Uh, the the fibre diameter is 33 
microns plus, but it could be up to 40 or 50. Um, so we go from the midland range to quite coarse. Um, fleece is robust and can have a persistence of kemp which I think might be a phrase that we will return to. We'll start with the badger face, um, Tordi and Torwen. Uh, dry Gardening was knitting with Tordu, sorry, Tordi from Black Bat Rare Breed. And she said um, that it is 50 grams in the ball, 114 metres, 100% Tordi badger face wool. And it's described as double knit weight. She found out from the seller that it was woolen spun. Um, and she says the ball and yarn surface have dark and light fibres, guard hairs extending from the surface. Not sure if some of those fibres extending may be Kemp. The ball feels firm and dense in the hand, but easily compressed when squeezed and with a moderate bounce back. Uh, rubbing the outside of the ball, a tiny bit of lanolin type feel is present. The undyed yarn is a beautiful beige, dark oat mealy character. Um, I was also knitting with that black bat uh, rare breed and concur. Um, I would say it was robust to say the least. Um, not the harshest wool by any measure. Um, uh, but she sure has tooth, does the tarvi. Um, lots of guard hair and camp present. Some very crimpy, uh, wavy ones indeed. Um, very interesting to look at the wool close up. So uh, when I first got it, I have to say that I wasn't sure what it was going to be best suited to. But I kind of loved that that, that um, yieldy squish and I loved the lanolin type feel as well. Uh, Drainold, um, Deborah spun Torvi and Torwen and um, she spun lace weight um woolen spun, worsted spun and semi-worsted spun in the Tordi. She said, fairly feels fairly harsh, twinish. The ball has some squish and rebounds in a down-like way. The semi-worsted hand spun is wiry and spiky. The woolen spun is less wiry, feels softer, um, had a bit of bloom. She said, a few hairs were mixed in, white, tan and black, and it gave the yarn a faint heathery colour in spots. With her Torwen, she said, harsh, bristly feel, but handsome in colour. Down-like, lots of spring back when she squeezed the ball. She says it feels a bit slick, oddly, and strands wanted to slide away from the squeeze. She said the Torwen wool and hair are both shorter than the sample of Torvi. And she says the halo and um, hair were not as pronounced in the Torwen. Uh, so observance is while swatching dry gardening with her Tordi de Bonnet from Black Bat comfortable in the hand, easily manipulated the three plies held together nicely and didn't loosen unblocked fabric felt strong with some spring when squished and fairly low drape garter looks beautiful however the knit pearl pattern plain as it is does not show up so well uh, the colour and guard hairs combined make a very attractive matte fabric which is highly textured from the character of the yarn itself rather than the pattern. Um, I also found um, that there were more guard hairs and kemp in my lap 
than uh, when uh, I was knitting with it. Um, it shed quite a lot. Um, but I loved how the garter stitch looked in the polygon, Tin Cunnet's polygon hexagon that I made. Garter bumps are nice and pronounced. And as the yarn is three-ply, that obviously makes for good stitch definition. Um, and, you know, even though it had all that hair, um, it didn't blood out the structure of the stitches. Drainold, uh, with her tordy worsted, was not very pliable. Stitches looked like chainmail, as with the Jacob sample that she spun and knitted. Less twist in the tordy would help, she thinks. In the woolen spun, it was a lot more pliable, and in the semi-worsted, it felt spiky, uh, like a fine jute. A uh, little elasticity, she said. Uh, in her woolen spun, it felt like Harris tweed. Uh, in the knitting, rough, sturdy fabric. Solid, a tiny, tiny bit of elasticity with enough fuzziness to feel more like yarn than burlap. Hair shed out as I knit, she said, which would probably probably be better anchored in a woven structure. Um, so the first wash block and wear, dry gardening, with her turdy from Black Bat, said... Started with lukewarm water, soaked for two and a half hours, water rinsed clear, swatch relax and was easily blocked. Post blocking the knit and pearl design shows up a bit more. Garter stitch con continues to look great. Surface fibres have flattened down some, although the fabric still exhibits great texture from the yarn itself. Drape is now moderate. Um, when rubbed between fingers, there is still a slight lanolin feeling or silky feeling. Worn directly against the chest all day, engaging in daily activities with a lot of movement, she was surprised to find that she forgot the swatch for most of the day and it did not create a prickle or discomfort. <laughs> well, I washed my same turdy black bat double knit um, in with my well first of all I washed it with my other wool swatches and that totally contaminated um, the other swatches with hairs from this swatch it shed quite a lot in the water the the sort of tougher feel of the fabric and the fleece and knowing that it's you know one of the most hardiest of the Welsh mountain told me that it would be better to soak it this for longer so I left the twirthy overnight and I blocked it quite aggressively the next day uh, it held its shape really well but that aggressive blocking kind of flattened out the garter stitch I wore it at my shoulder under my bra strap and it certainly had presence uh, but I did forget about it after um, a while mostly I mean I could still feel it when I when I moved uh, drain old one with her turdy lace weight she said she soaked in Ucelan as per label and pinned it in a rectangle um, uh, to counteract the biasing in the semi-worsted her swatch um, stayed put when pinned the semi-worsted and the woolen um, portions of the swatch have bloomed and have lost some of the chainmail stiffness Prickly at first when wearing because of the hair and relatively stiff wool. Um, she wore it under her bra strap, pearl side down. Um, she said it was less prickly when it was knit side down. With her torren, uh, she washed it in a Ucelan per label again and she salad spun it, which I love that in one of those salad spinners. Uh, rolled it in a towel, pinned it to dry overnight. 
she said, little change in size. It was prickly next to the upper lip, uh, next to the cheek and neck and under the bra strap on the shoulder. Uh, there is hair in the swatch. She said it's crisp in the hand and on the ankle. And she says the woolen spun had pretty nice stitch definition. So wash, block and wear too. Uh, dry gardening, of course. To- tossed it in the laundry. Front front loading machine. Normal cycle. Regular laundry detergent. Warm water wash. Two cold water rinses. Uh, for uh, in approximately forty minutes in a no heat tumble dry. She says surface roughened up with lots of fibers fuzzing up. Pattern quite blurred. Tightened and distorted some. Although remains pliable with low drape. Rubbing with fingers. Slightly lanolin. Overall silky feel remains. Wore directly against chest all day, felt the swatch all day and was glad to remove it. Perhaps fuzzed up surface fibres created discomfort. I did my second wash block and wear for a full, uh, soaked it for a full 24 hours in um, Shetland Soap Company wool wash. And whilst the fabric appeared a little um, softer, the presence of the hairs was... Um, slightly more pronounced. Um, I wore it on my um, hip for a few hours this time and again it it was fine but I was aware of it at all times. Deborah with her uh, tardy lace weight she says washed in Usalant as per label but this time scrubbed the stockingette of both semi-worsted and woolen um, portions of the swatch vigorously whilst wet. Pinned out to block it's still biasing. Chain mail effect is subsiding. There's more bloom but no pilling. Draped over the shoulder under a light cotton sweater this time. As with the first wear it softened with body humidity barely noticeable like a beard that has grown beyond the short bristly stage to the longer stage. Thank you very much for that. Um, With her Torwen she washed it again in Yuslan as per the label as with the first wash and wear there's still some biasing um, she said she'd used the twist for singles this time instead of uh, plied yarn. Worn on the shoulder under the bra strap. And as with Turdy, there was a lessening of the prickle. Um, a third wash block and wear. Well, you know that um, dry gardening um, went further and tossed it in the laundry again. Um, she said that the surface fibres are still evident. Um, stock and stitch pattern a bit blurred. More tightening. Distortion. Remains pliable. Negligible drape. She wore it again under the same conditions. Less noticeable this time. She said stroking the surface even after this third wash. Its silky sensation remains. Which is really, really interesting. So um, I decided to wash my tourthy for a third time and I put it in the wash machine uh, on a 40 degree wash with other items, my usual washing detergent. I didn't find that there was much shrinkage. The wool fabric itself is softer, but those hairs are far more harem scarum, which I think perhaps um, Dry Gardening mentioned her first time putting it in the washing machine. They certainly stuck out more. Um... The garter has plumped up again in the wear test. Very curious. I found that the swatch could be felt at all times. I kind of concur with the first laundry machine version of the test that dry gardening did. Um, I was quite glad 
to take it off uh, at the end of the, 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 the test. I was I was really quite aware of it, um, which is interesting. Again, as I thought it might shed some of those fibres, um, but it certainly just made them more pronounced. So thoughts for use then? Well, um, dry gardening said it appears great for tapestry weaving, rug weaving, art projects. And there's the potential for wet fooling and felting opportunities. I had written, if this, I wonder if this felts well, brackets, I wonder if dry gardening is participating with this one. <laughs> and I had also said about um, the potential for felting, although my swatch didn't felt on a 40 degree wool wash, I might toss it in on a higher degree wash to see if it does indeed felt it's hmm, a difficult one for me to say actually because I think the fabric could be quite soft but those hairs in particular are going to be the thing that will put a lot of people off um certainly it's insulating and warm but I would be interested to see woven items in Torthy, but I'm not sure that I will have many polygons of Torthy in my eventual blanket it's not a wool for comfort for me, unfortunately. Very lovely as it is. Not one that I would wear next to my skin in active wear. And that's not often you hear me say that. Uh, Deborah said um, of her tardy as an outerwear wool, it would make pieces that would last. She said she liked the faint heathery colours that the hair gave to the fabric, especially in the woolen spun. She said if it was de-haired, are used in a structure that the hair was lessened, the effects of the hair were lessened, she would make items that would take advantage of the toughness of the wool. Um, with her torwen, she said, if you were to willow out the hair or run the wool through a picker several times um, to remove that hair and kemp, the shedding would be minimal and the prickle would be minimised. And she said, same with the other Welsh mountain breeds I swatched, it would be good to sample the twist first to get the twist right if you're not used to short fibres. That's interesting. That's good. Uh, and again, outerwear socks um, and things for tough uses. So the, that's our badger face Welsh mountain sheep, the Torthy and the Torwen. We had more spinning and um, commercial yarn in the Balwyn group. Now we had three explorers here, dry gardening again, with the Balwyn yarn from Black Bat Rare Breeds. We had Drain Old One with hand-spun sport weight uh, from Witchwood Spinner. Well, the fleece came from Witchwood Spinner. And Bella Ran 19, Belinda hand-spun some chunky Balwyn, also using fleece that she purchased from Witchwood Spinner on Etsy. So the hand squish grab, dry gardening with her Balwyn from Black Bat. She says it again, it's 50 gram ball, 114 meters, 100% Balwyn, three plies, described as double knit. And she said it's woolen spun as per Sella's response to her email query. The ball feels firm and dense in the hand, but is easily compressed when squeezed and a moderate bounce back. Uh, rubbing the outside of the ball, a tiny lanolin feel is present. Uh, some short hairs and a bit of kemp, I think, extend not far from the yarn surface. Undyed natural, rich dark chocolate colour with hints of lighter tones from the hairs and the bits of kemp. Overall, this yarn seems finer uh, and less crimp than the Torthy. Drain old. Uh, one with her hand spun, woolen spun 
sport weight. The singles were crisp but not harsh. She spun a two-ply that she says felt more like a rug weft, very sturdy and more crisp. Uh, Belinda, um, as a fibre, she said it felt crunchy, crispy, very warm. Blocky locks with not much visible crimp. Quite short locks, about two to three inches, she said. Um, as a yarn, it's hairy un- and unpleasant, but warm. <laughs> um, observances while swatching, dry gardening with her black bat Balwin said the light lanolin feel persisted through the knitting and the and crochet yarn flowed easily through fingers three plies held together with no loosening or splitting excellent stitch definition low to moderate elasticity the Balwin yarn appears to have a few appears to have few if any guard hairs although many short dark curly fibers extend from the fiber surface and they're fairly tight to the fabric possible kemp occasional white fibers um, seem significant and add an interesting contrast note low drape with the stocking stitch and needle size she used very attractive fabric feels strong yet easily squeezed and has a spring and bounce to it drain old one with her hand spun balwin she said um in her swatch there are different colored bands and that's due to using wool from different areas of the fleece she said the dark brown color of fleece is harshest and the gray black less so she says it's textured outdoorsy dramatic Lots of hair remained in the yarn and showed in the singles uh, more than the two-ply. She says the hairs tend to be shed from the singles and give the singles a don't-tread-on-me surface effect. I like that. Um, hairs dropped during plying and the remnant hairs were mostly bound in by the two-plying. She says the heathery swatch looks very rich and striking and not unpleasant to knit with, just quite crisp. Uh, Bellara 19 Belinda said when I carded the wash locks I realised that they were way hairier than I had initially realised uh, it had a lot of hair and kemp in my drum carder which took ages to remove completely uh, while spinning it was very difficult to keep the yarn together in places because there was more hair than wool the resulting yarn is uneven with clumps of hair that I kept pulling out while plying and knitting it makes my hands and arms itch like mad whenever I worked with it. I did have hair all over the house for days. The yarn was springy and warm, but the itchiness and hairiness made the entire experience really unpleasant. She says she did a three-ply swatch and a two-ply tea cosy as a swatch. So wash, block and wear with Balwin. Dry gardening soaked her swatch for two plus hours. That's the black bat Balwin. Uh, she used very warm water and uh, and as she rinsed off a, a very light tan colour came out in the water. She says maybe the lanolin, maybe other fibre oils or dirt. No change in swatch colour, although swatch relaxed after soaking and was easily blocked. Uh, using a larger needle size was better for the lace pattern. She uh, says it still feels strong when squeezed. Low drape, very attractive. Worn directly against the chest, lots of movement. She said felt it as soon as it was placed and throughout the day and when removed later there was no lingering discomfort but she says for me the best garment use would be an outer layer away from tender skin uh drain old one deborah with her balwin hand spun she says she soaked in uslan 
She patted it into shape and pinned it out to dry. Fairly stiff to pick up and felt harsher after the wash, as if it were to retain stiffness. Uh, it would make very handsome bag or thick, tough tweed. The hairs prickle sharply on the upper lip and it felt like a proverbial hair shirt under a brass trap slid into the footbed of a flip-flop slid a foot on top i couldn't feel the prickle even the singles felt crisp but cushiony underfoot very interesting uh so belinda her three-ply swatch she tried it against her stomach and she said it maybe lasted 10 minutes before moving it um she couldn't feel much on her lower back when she sampled it on there. She tried wearing it in her top overnight, but it gave her a rash, so she pulled it out. Yes, do not let wool exploration harm you. The two-ply gave her a red rash across her stomach and itched against her wrist, so it didn't last long before it had to be taken off. She said both samples are very rough and scrubby, and after doing my three-ply swatch and washing and wearing it, I had no idea what to do with the bigger skein, uh, but decided... But decided on a tea cosy since the swatch was so warm. This, you see, there's if we can't wear it, we'll find a use for it. <laughs> uh, dry gardening with her second wash block and wear. She popped it in with a regular laundry and um, it tightened up, distorted some. The lace holes were not completely closed. Uh, the fibre curled off the surface more. When rubbing the swatch, it still has a slight lanolin feel. Uh, it's still almost silky, still pliable. Drape is low. Um, approximately 17.2% decrease widthwise and 12% decrease, decrease, decrease lengthwise. Worn against the chest for a day, lots of movement, noticeable all day, although more comfortable than um, the first wash block and wear. She still thinks that the best garment use would probably be away from sensitive skin. On her second wash block and wear, Draenold washed her sport weight swatch uh, again in Usulan, harsh and stiff again, so worn as though a sock, uh, no change to how it feels or how it looked. Um, and actually in the second wash block and wear, uh, Belinda found the same with her swatch, uh, no change at all. Three ply swatch had no change in size and doesn't feel any different. The two ply still feels the same as it did, but it grew a bit. Um, Dry Gardening did a third wash block and wear with her uh, Balwin from Black Bat. She said, again, in the regular laundry, more tightening, distortion, loss of stitch definition, but holes in lace visible when held to the window light, still pliable, but drape negligible, still lanoliny um, when rubbed, fibres curling off the surface, not much change from second wash, approximately 10.4 percent decrease widthwise and 7.1 percent decrease uh, lengthwise worn directly against the chest for a day lots of movement noticeable throughout only slightly more comfortable um, than the second uh, wear test best garment for use would definitely be an outer layer uh, and Bellara 19 did a third wash block and wear and she says the two ply still feels very rough and scrubby. I tried felting this to see what would happen and although it fooled slightly, it hasn't really shrunk and didn't felt much at all. Still so much hair coming out of the second wash that it's kind of funny. <laughs> so thoughts for use with this Balwin, this rare breed 
uh, Welsh mountain. She uh, dry gardening with her commercial spun dub on it says, appear strong, great use away from sensitive skin. Also appears would be great for rug weaving, tapestry, art projects, and there's potential for wet felting applications. Um, she also said this is full of character and is a very attractive yarn and fibre. Deborah, with her hand spun, um, said this would work really well as the soles and heels of socks. Uh, brilliant idea. Uh, heavy outdoor tweeds, portfolio, notebook, journal covers. Uh, but she says try and get some of the um, hairs out of the yarn first so your journal doesn't shed. Um, great for rug weft. Um, brilliant idea. <laughs> Belinda <laughs> said I'm feeling very guilty for disliking this. Balwin so much uh, she said it really was awful I may um, I've just got unlucky with the sheep but um, it would be I would be very unsure of trying to use Balwin fleece again as a spinner or knitter thoughts for use include hair shirts doormats exfoliating cloths great idea um, scarves for people you hate <laughs> And pot holders. Also tea cozies. It does do a very good job at keeping tea warm. Just don't put it anywhere near your skin. She says, I'm not sensitive to wool prickle at all, but this is very, very itchy. It's really interesting. I wonder if, um, you know, because Belinda and Deborah were both using fleece from Witchwood Spinner, and Deborah's, um, you know, she had two different colours uh, in her fleece that she spun separately so you could see the difference. And I'm just wondering, is it possible that, you know, Deborah got the nicer pics of the fleece and Belinda got the bum end? I mean, literally? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Belinda did go on to say in the Woolwork Ravelry group, um... I'm sure you will all be pleased to hear that Hagrid, as she named the tea cosy, is becoming my absolute favourite because it's hilarious and knobbly. But, she says in uppercase, it works so well. It's actually very impressive how well it works in comparison with my other woolen tea cosies and a double layer acrylic one that I inherited. She said, I tried felting it again uh, without much luck however it's a bit smaller and less gappy than it was the hair shedding has settled down but it does worm its way through every so often it also makes a great oven mitt um, when I can't find a real one even though the hair is a bit more under control I wouldn't want this anywhere near my body though it's definitely more suited to other things yes that's brilliant I mean this is another reason why I wanted to look at the breed group um, and you know Welsh Mountain I did think was going to be a lot more characterful than some of the other breeds that we've looked at fascinating to learn that um, you know as I always say will has a use for everything so fascinating to learn that this insulates so well um, and maybe that's why it's used um, so much in carpets and things as well thank you so much um, Belinda Deborah and Dry Gardening if you want, this might be a good time to go and make yourself a cup of tea. Tin Can Knits Along. It's amazing that there are already a couple of finished items for the Tin Can Knits Along, which only kicked off on the 1st of December. Um, amazing. You, Mike, I'm clapping. 
Dr. Sazmak uh, finished uh, a compass cowl using Black Isle's Coolmore uh, yarn, which is Cheviot yarn. Um, uh, also using Woolly Mammoth's uh, Hebridean Autumn Dyed Used Wool and some of her uh, BFL Massam and some Renaissance dyer Dorset from France, which is uh, lovely. It's in beautiful colour. She's made this for her sister. Let's hope she doesn't look at Ravelry or listen to this podcast or be spoiled. <laughs> um, beautiful um, cowl that she's made on her uh, knitting machine. And then Bluebird Nest uh, finished a gather cowl, um, which I've made in the past and really enjoyed it. Um, she's made that for her sister-in-law that's so lovely that you're gifting your makes as well uh i well i had to rip out all of my yolk of my snowflake because i decided i was going to start with the snowflake yeah i had to rip it back to the seed stitch collar just because i realized that i made a silly mistake in the snowflake lace pattern so I was kind of annoyed about that. But onwards and upwards, I'll pick it up tonight um, again. Um, I have uh, been slow on doing that because I was signed off uh, work. Um, I had uh, I can't remember if I said it last time, but I had an arthritis flare up. I wasn't really too comfortable to sit. Um, so I didn't have a lot of knitting time um, or sitting in knitting time. When I did do some knitting, I actually didn't do my snowflake at all. I was trying to finish my poet sweater by Sari Nordland, which is the total digression from the Tin Can Knits Along. I do apologise, but I'm nearly finished it. I am making this, for those of you with long memories uh, and good memories, I am making this in Used Wool's Aster, um, which is Shetland, Merino and a little bit of alpaca in a most beautiful natural sort of gingerbread colour. And um, I've done one sleeve and I'm just about to cast off the body. And I, all I have to do is another sleeve. And I can't wait. But I digress. Um, so nice to see so many of you taking part in the Tin Can Knits Long. Um, and there's still plenty of time to participate. Uh, we are going to be knitting until February the 14th. Um, so if you'd like to join in, there is plenty of time. You can use the hashtags... Tin Can Knits Along and Woolwork Winter Cal um, on social media and tag your projects on Ravelry. And you can also use this cal to help you finish some Tin Can Knits projects that you've had on the needles for a while. Um, and if you would like to um, share those on social media, please use the hashtag Tin Can Whips. And by the time this podcast goes out, I will have sent out or will be about to send out um, the pairings for the small gestures swap. Uh, obviously, sign-ups are now closed for that. Um, but thank you so much for, for participating with that. Your enthusiasm for that every year bowls me over, and you make it really special. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this uh, small gestures swap is about being paired up with somebody in the Woolwork Ravelry group and... We, we just gift a pattern to our swap partner and they do the same for us. And that's just really, really nice. I'm also thinking that it would be quite nice to have a small gesture swap into 2020, um, but not a pattern swap. I'm thinking that it might be quite nice to do a postcard swap 
Um, I was inspired by Muir and Co, Debbie on um, Instagram and Ravelry, um, who had a picture of her posting a postcard that um, other week. And I said, oh, it's so nice, you know, postcards. I, I love getting postcards. And um, uh, uh, maybe a couple of weeks before that, Linda Thompson and I had been talking about how we keep in touch with people and how social media lets us down with the algorithms. It stops you from being in touch with the people that you're really on social media to be in touch with. And Linda had sort of said, maybe we need to, we need to go back to writing letters. And so, yeah, I'm thinking that postcard swap in 2020 would be really nice. And all will, that will be involved will be sending a postcard to um, your swappee. So that's something to look forward to. But I, you know, the small gestures thing is just that it's a small gesture but it can mean such a lot now it's time to learn a little bit about the black welsh mountain sheep uh, as well as welsh mountain uh, and the south wales mountain Black Welsh mountain breed. They uh, originate in the southern mountains of Wales and are, according to the Fleece and Fibre source book, the only Welsh mountain breed to be found in North America. And I'll mention um, a little bit about that in a moment. The Black Welsh mountain is a true black. I believe it's the only native breed that can be classed as a true black in um, British breeds, although often it can have bleached brown tips is sometimes a, a red black color and that reddish or a reddish hue can be present um, the type of fleece differs from other welsh mountain breeds there are fewer to zero kemp uh, hairs present and there is a finer fiber diameter it makes a softer yarn though can still be crisp to the touch the finer fleece um, has really been down to the development for the colour unlike many of the other Welsh breeds Black Welsh Mountain is raised for wool as well as for meat hooray um, and the wool ranges from 26 to 36 microns staple length is around 2 to 4 inches and Black Welsh Mountain should be free of kemp uh, locks are dense and firm with slightly pointed tips. Now, I wanted um, to also mention those North American Welsh Mountain. I am very, very grateful to Oogie M, uh, who popped into the Woolwork Ravelry group. She said, I thought I'd point out some information into the UK versus the US Black Welsh Mountains. All the Black Welsh Mountains in the US and Canada are descended from the original importation by Tom Wyman in 1973 or from semen that has been imported. Tom brought in three rams and 13 yows, but some died during quarantine or do not have descendants, so the founding population is nine yows and two rams. We then added semen from three different rams from the UK. In both the US and UK, upgrading is not allowed. All sheep must trace back to the UK registered flocks to be accepted. No amount of crossing back will be accepted for registration. Actually, here in the US, our wool is much harder 
uh, harsher and coarser than the standard in the UK. This is me speaking as the only approved inspector of this breed in North America who has been to the UK for training and handled and looked at hundreds of tops of UK Black Welsh Mountain. However, we have very different wool mills here. In the UK, the best information I can find is that wool mills do not attempt to separate the fibres and they also often mix lambs plus older sheep wool in a batch. This is especially true for yarn makers who need a big volume of wool to make a run. Here it is more common to separate the wool by sex and age. I frequently get rovings made from a single fleece from a single sheep, so mills are used to running very tiny batches. Plus, if you send Black Welsh Mountain through a, a llama dehairing machine, you will end up with a much less kempy fibre. I now routinely do that for everything that gets made into roving or yarn. Even so, our finest and softest wool here in the US is nowhere near as soft as the UK sheep. And Oogie M also says, if you comb Black Welsh Mountain, it comes out lovely and the yield on the fleece is quite low. Really super appreciative to Oogie M um, from Colorado for coming over to the Woolwork group and, and talking to us about the the difference with the US sheep. It's interesting there that she mentions Kemp in relation to Black Welsh Mountain, where the Fleece and Fibre Source book and other written sources I've read about UK Black Welsh Mountain say that there is no Kemp present. That's interesting, but also could be something down to habitat, landscape, a lot of reasons. Um, but that's really interesting. And again, hugely grateful to um, Oogie M and also Athena Nike, who came in to um, talk about US Black Welsh Mountain. In addition to Badger Faces, Balwyn, Black Welsh Mountain, we have Welsh Mountain or White Welsh Mountain. Um, they are a larger sheep than their other Welsh Mountain breed cousins. The breed is white in colour. Um, sometimes you will find the wool called White Welsh Mountain. Um, the wool is strong, going towards coarse, which is again indicative of the sheep's heart living on a harsher landscape. Uh, these sheep thrive in areas with poor grazing and heavy rain, so the fleece is grown to cope with that. The staple length can be long, uh, up to 15 centimetres, and the fleece in the lock is dense. It can have an irregular crimp, and at the finer end of the fibre diameter, it's 30 microns, moving towards 38 microns. Wool can be soft and kemp hairs, can be present uh, but very slender. Welsh Mountain has been used for centuries in the woolen industry in Wales for making traditional textiles. In the 20th century, there was also the development of the South Welsh Mountain breed. The South Welsh Mountain breed and the Welsh Mountain breed are both primarily bred for meat. The wool of the South Welsh Mountain is abundant with Kemp. The pictures in the Fleece and Fibre Source book really make it look like a lock of white beard. It reputedly resists twist. So if you've tried to spin South Welsh Mountain, you might have found this. 
So, Black Welsh Mountain, here we have Thinking Knit Green, who is using Arms Coat Manor. Black Welsh Mountain, she said, The ball uh, of wool feels spongy and wonderfully warm and sturdy. The DK is very, is rather plump and very lofty and airy. She aims to make a windproof hat using a relatively small gauge. Practical Cat was also using Arms Coat Manor Double Knit, and she said, not sure if this is worsted or woolen spun, but I would guess woolen it is. Yarn is labelled double knit, uh, but at 100 metres per 50 grams, it's similar to a light iron weight. I think it's spun at the Natural Fibre Company and their double knits tend towards light iron. She says, first impressions, toothy, slight haze, deep, very dark grey, almost black colour, with light grey kemp giving a heathered effect. Very bouncy to the feel, firmly spun to give a well-rounded yarn, pleasant to hold against the cheek despite a slight prickle. Uh, Ramsey Baggins was using an iron from Hanalyn Crafts. She says, coarse, hairy, sheds fairly freely, hardly any stretch in the yarn, a tight, close texture, beautiful, dark, full black colour. Uh, yarn sticks to itself almost like Velcro due to its close hairiness. Seems to hold its shape well. Smells fairly sheepy. I think that's the first note of smell we've had so far, by the way. Quite a, quite a feat. <laughs> um, good for outerwear, socks, hats, etc. Seems fairly stiff, so I wouldn't imagine it would be good for items which need drape. Dry Gardening was using a Black Welsh Mountain uh, from Blackard in an iron weight. She said uh, approximately 76 yards, woolen spun, three plies. The ball feels dense when squeezed. A crafty scientist uh, was using a Black Welsh Mountain from Elise Langley, a double knit. She said the wool is a light brown. The seller told me that the fleece used to be more of a dark chocolate brown, but got lighter in the sheep as the sheep had got older. She says it feels very sheepy and lanolin rich and unprocessed. First thoughts are that it would be used for hats or outerwear, but maybe not too close to the skin. W.F. Cornwell was using Black Hill Sheep. US Black Welsh Mountain from upstate New York and hello to you WF Cornwell for uh, your first foray into wool exploration with us. I hope it's not your last. Um, they said the skin is nice and fluffy. It's incredibly deep dusky brown, the colour of unsweetened dark chocolate and there is a halo of shorter hairs that range from white to burnt umber when they catch the light. It rebounds quickly when squeezed. Very she uh, faint sheepy smell or oh, here we go all the sheepy smells are coming out now um uh, fairly uh, inelastic and uh, as i'm winding it into a ball uh, i'm not sure of what use um it will have yet drain old one was using hand spun uh lace weight uh from fleece that she purchased from witchwood spinner on etsy and she spun woolen and worsted she said very soft by comparison with the balwin feels like a medium commercial wool yarn uh, wearable woolly not prickly against the upper lip there's a slight sheen in the worsted spun nice black in the woolen a godsend for color work and color blending has approximately the feel of shetland not totally matte even the worsted rebounds when squeezed 
This would be soft and comforting to wear at the wrist and nice for outerwear. Fairly fine fibres, um, so not durable for socks as the Balwin. Bellera 19, handspun worsted double knit. She says it smells very sheepy and a wonderful top. It had a beautiful spin, not super kidney soft, but not rough or hairy. It feels similar to Shetland wool swatch that I have, uh, but has a lot more of a wool halo. Slightly softer than Mance Lochten, again with more halo. I um, drop spindled a sample of Black Welsh Mountain Tops that my lovely friend Victoria had given me. Uh, it was Guinnessy in colour, soft with some very fine lighter hairs present. Uh, it's spun beautifully on the drop spindle, oh my goodness, uh, and I could go quite fine for me. Um, I chain plied it. The yarn is fudgy and in that it's squishy. I was slightly surprised because the only black Welsh mountain that I've knit with before was a chunky from Blacker and that was quite stiff and ropey. So I think I'm already, in, I was already envisaging uh, a cardigan uh, in black Welsh mountain. Um, after spinning that um, Madame Maigre also spun some prepared tops she she knit a, she spun a sport weight she said first impression was of a colour deep rich brown reminiscent of my favourite Christmas chocolate Terry's dark chocolate orange uh, there were a few white guard hairs and the roving was smooth and springy this was a complete joy to spin from beginning to end it flowed onto my spindle and the spin was effortless and incredibly enjoyable this was the third breed spin out of a current tally of eight and it remains my absolute favorite willie ellie um hand spun some four ply black Welsh mountain she says the tops have a little coarseness but no prickle when she wrapped it around her neck lovely easy drafting fiber some white fibers but very little some white wool giving a lovely color spun yarn surprisingly soft and could almost wear it next to my neck skin observances whilst swatching practical cat with her arms coat manner double knit said knitting is firm and sturdy it's a robust experience with excellent stitch definition cable patterns stand up nicely slight prickle in the yarn through the fingers seems much darker when knitted up uh, creates a dense even and bouncy fabric on four millimeter needles ramsey baggins with her aaron black welsh mountain said the yarn sheds very freely when knitting, rustic, f very hairy feeling, quite coarse. Um, there are coarser fibres which you can see as they pass through your fingers. The swatch um, feels coarse, not much squish. Garter, quite plump, but close feeling, very stretchy. Uh, stitch definition seems good, but loses out due to the depth of the colour. Dry gardening um, with our blacker Aaron. She said, low elasticity, dense but plump yarn, feels strong, no loosening or splitting of the plies and comfortable to use. A crafty scientist who was using Black Welsh Mountain Double Knit from Elise Langley said it's softer than it looks, uh, but it is as sticky as it looks. Easy to work with and reasonable stitch definition. W.F. Cornwell was using U.S. Black Welsh Mountain from Black Hill Sheep Farm and they said, After a few rows of garter, my lap is completely covered in short dark hairs. This yarn is shedding like crazy. If it wasn't, if I wasn't knitting for wool exploration, I would probably abandon this yarn at this point. 
Well, WF Cornwell, thank you for your services to wool exploration. Um, uh, we really appreciate it. Um, I can't tell you how many wool explorers have started off with a yarn that they didn't like. Usually it finds a way to redeem itself. Uh, Drainold one uh, with her hand spun woolen and worsted. She says the fine fibres are black hole black, uh, so it would have been helpful to have had a neck mounted light and a light table or the equivalent. On three um, uh, US three needles, the two ply is quite firm. Uh, better on larger needles. Her worsted swatch uh, only slightly grabby when unknitting, and she feels like a plied version would be less so. Her woolen singles, stitch definition was surprisingly good and not very fuzzy looking. Uh, woolen spun two-ply, much fuzzier looking and less stitch definition. Feels substantial though. Uh, Belinda, Bellaran 19 with her hand-spun, worsted-spun double knit. She used a drop spindle, made two-ply yarn. Really loved swatching with it. Um, as much as I did spinning it, it felt sturdy and sheepy. I felt it could take a good beating as outerwear without being itchy. It's a very slight crunch when you squish it up in your hand. I um, found that this, when I was, when I spun and knitted with Black Welsh Mountain from Prepared Tops, one of the darkest colours I've used for natural colours that I've used for wool exploration so far. Um, I forgot you need good light when you're knitting with black wool. Uh, I only really appreciated the dark peaty blackness um, of the swatch in the daylight uh, and the sort of furrows between the lovely garter ridges. Uh, knitting was smooth uh, and there was a lanoliny grip. Really, really lovely stuff. Madame Maigret, with her hand spun, she said once plied the yarn came out as a sport weight. I knit up a swatch on 3.25mm needles and the consistency of the spin has meant that it's knit up beautifully. The swatch is springy and elastic and bounces into shape after vigorous pulling and stretching. Wooly Ellie said that her hand spun four ply was lovely and soft through the fingers to knit with, silky even. The first wash block and wear, Think and Knit Green with her arms coat to minor double knit said considerably softer, more pliable and supple. Um, that's interesting. Was it softer because of the wash or do you mean it was softer to wear? Um, not quite sure, but great that it softened up, became more pliable. A practical cat, first wash, soaked in cold water for an hour, blocked lightly. The swatch was the same dimension, 17 by 18 centimetres as the unblocked swatch. Cable pattern opened up beautifully, too prickly to wear inside bra, but fine over hip. I actually forgot about it until I went to bed. Ramsey Baggins with her first wash block and wear, shrunk slightly. It's become more fuzzy and it has bloomed uh, a, a lot softer, feels less velcroy. Coarser fibres are more apparent as the other fibres have softened. Quite a halo fairly rustic a strange mixture of coarse and soft still quite a dense feeling uh, the stitch definition is less good as the bloom has come through certainly feels a lot less itchy than the initial swatch might have been it feels coarse against the skin with a slight prickle would be best worn in an area where it wouldn't have too much movement perhaps best worn over another layer thank you ramsey baggins dry gardening with their blackout aaron Soaked for more than two hours uh, with very warm water. Uh, water rinsed off in a pale tea colour, perhaps lanolin or other fibre or dirt. 
Swartch did not feel significantly relaxed when drained of water, but was easy to block, um, although it didn't open up significantly as some other fibres do after soaking. It held the block very well. It was pliable, low drape, feels strong. Worn directly against the chest for a day, lots of movement, noticeable throughout the day, uh, and they say for me, uh, the best garment use appears to be away from sensitive skin. A crafty scientist with their double-knit black Welsh mountain soaked the swatch in tepid water with a splash of soak for 15 minutes with a very gentle agitation at the start. Blocked flat, pinned. Once it was dried, the swatch was surprisingly soft. Wore it for a day inside my waistband and at the end, the swatch feels less soft and stitch definition appears to be less clear. No prickliness, I forgot it was there. WF Cornwell soaked their swatch, their US Black Welsh Mountain, uh, for an hour and after pinning, the swatch held blocking fairly well, constricting in the middle a little bit. That's definitely due to the cabling uh, and they say with a different stitch pattern it could be fine. It doesn't seem to have softened, it feels particularly prickly on my neck, uh, but fine on my arm. I wore it for a day and pinned it inside my t-shirt. Although it bothered me for the first couple of hours, eventual prickling sensation went away. It might work as a second layer. They say it seems to have stopped shedding, uh, but I would be hesitant to wear it next to my skin. Drain Old One, soaked with Usulan, pinned to dry, rich dark colour in the singles, the two-ply looked a little lighter, very slight bloom. In her worsted sample, the stockingette biased a bit, uh, the texture of the lace was hard to see but definition still good. Subtle sheen, good drape, slightly wooly but no prickle under bra strap uh, but was always aware of the swatch. Bella Ra 19, Belinda says the lace opened up considerably in both swatches. Uh, it grew quite a bit when blocked aggressively. Very slight prickle when I held it against my wrist, but not enough to be uncomfortable. Popcorn stitch is very squishy. Didn't really notice it in my bra. Um, slept with it tucked into my PJs with no problem. Well, I when I did my first swash block and wear, I made the mistake of washing all of my Welsh um, swatches uh, together and the Torvi badger face um, shed and contaminated so I had to do second washes and I used Shetland Soap Company wool wash I blocked it on mat with uh, pins uh, when it was dry it was still fudgy squishy uh, very fine greyish fibres uh, pepper the surface but it's not Kemp it's just lighter, lighter hairs um, I wore it at my shoulder and neck for a day very warm, uh, initial noticeable feeling, but it disappeared after a short while. Madame Maigret with her hand spun. She says she washed the swatch in lukewarm water with wool soap and left it to soak for half an hour. Once dried, it remained the same size and the stitches settled beautifully with good definition. The yarn has a slight fuzz, but stitches are still visible and the washing has melded them together into a dense and springy fabric. She said, I may have shoved it under my bra before it was dry because I was keen to try it out and it felt warm and comforting. No prickle, no irritation. Willie Ellie soaked her Black Welsh Mountain handspun four-ply in Usulan, stretched to square and air-dried. One in hip, one in bra, can't feel a thing. Wearing it didn't change the appearance. It feels softer to the hand than the unwashed swatch and about the same to the face. Managed to get one pill from a good rubbing uh, between my knuckles. Wash block and wear two. Practical cat, the second wash 
Well, she missed the opportunity to put it in a wool wash, so she did another long soak and a bit of a squidge in cold water and blocked lightly. Still prickly next to the skin. I can easily tolerate it next to the skin over the hip. It doesn't redden the skin. Vigorous rubbing produced no noticeable effect or pilling, and that was the arms coat manner double knit that Practical Cat was using. Ramsey Baggins with her Hanlon Crafts Aran, very similar to the first test. Velcroy feeling, still feels wiry and crisp with coarser fibres, obvious. Very much like the first test, which implies to me that it's hard wearing. Difficult to block as extremely water resistant. Dry Gardening did her second wash block and wear in the front loading washing machine, normal cycle, usual detergent, hot water. Wash, two cold water rinses, tumble dry, no heat for an hour and a half. She says it tightened up and distorted um, with moderate flattening of the surface extending fibres. Although stitch definition diminished, it still is visible and lace uh, holes are clearly visible. Um, worn directly against the chest for a day, lots of movement, forgot the swatch was placed for most of the day, comfortable. And she says, I expect vigorous felting would result in the next to the skin use for me. A crafty scientist, um, with her Elise Langley Black Welsh Mountain double knit, soaked again in tepid water with a splash of body wash for at least 15 minutes with a gentle agitation at the start and end. Again, removed excess water with a towel and blocked flat, this time no pins. Once it was dried, swatch um, regained softness and looked more bouncy. No changes in stitch definition. Wore out again for the day inside my waistband and at the end... The swatch feels the same and stitch definition is clear. No prickliness, just sometimes noticed it was warmer where the swatch was. WF Cornwall this time blocked their swatch for 12 hours and blocked, sorry, soaked their swatch for 12 hours and then blocked aggressively. At this point, there are shorter, um, there's a shorter, more even halo and it has stopped shedding. It's a nice worn in quality. I wore it for a day, pinned to the inside of my pant leg and it was much nicer. It's warm without being prickly. Although I was sceptical at the beginning, the second wash and wear has changed my mind. I now imagine using this for warm and hard wearing socks. I'm really glad that, that you had that experience, WF Cornwell, because um, this is why I insist on us doing two wash block and wears and more if we can because wool is always changing and the more we wear it the more we wash it the more we block it and more we keep on wearing it it will change and I'm glad giving it a, a long soak will have helped as well I find that particularly with um you know coarser yarns um, if you give them a longer soak they do definitely benefit from that Drain Old One, um, again soaked in Usulan. The worsted stockinette um, has a fierce bias. Um, she says that's her spinning. Um, uh, there's a recoil in the rib, which isn't a bad thing, and recoil in the lace. She had blocked it fiercely uh, to a, a rectangular shape. On the shoulder, there was a slight prickle and an absent-minded itch now and then, and then she accidentally wore it to bed, so she must have forgotten about it. The woolen uh, sample... Scrubbed together briskly in the middle of the stockingette at the end of the soak and there was no noticeable fil uh, fooling. Some wiggly edges and bias in the single stockingette and the two-ply swatch was stable. Uh, Bellara 19 with her 
um, hand-spun Black Welsh Mountain. Uh, the lace opened up further. I blocked it really aggressively using hot water and did rough up of the swatches in the water, but no felting. The halo bloomed more and I noticed that the lace is still very open. The swatch has a solid border and looks more filled in from the halo. Not really softer, but it was beautiful to begin with, so I wasn't hoping for softness this time. Um, I did a second wash block and wear in Shetland Soap Company Wool Wash. I squeezed it out and I just smoothed it um, this time into shape and left it to dry. I wore it at my shoulder again. Um, still so very warm, so warm. And it's still a lovely, full, squishy swatch. Madame Maigret washed her swatch in warmer water with Ecover soap, agitated and rubbed it um, in a towel before putting it in the waistband of her knickers to dry. I'm not, I'm not sure if wearing wet wool is going to be useful going forward. And, and it could be quite uncomfortable, I think, Madame Maigret. <laughs> Even though it was damp, it was still warm and comfy. Okay, okay. Um, uh, and she says she could barely feel it. Uh, once the swatch was soft, uh, dry, it was softer, but no less springy or elastic. The stitches are well defined and the swatch ever so slightly larger. If my friend Martine is listening to this, I know that she is squirming in her chair as she listens because she has a very low to tolerance for any kind of fabric feel, particularly wool. Um, everything is just jaggy to her. And the last time with the Norfolk Horn Wool Exploration, she sent me a text message twice to tell me how uncomfortable it was for her to listen to uh, people wearing wool swatches inside their trousers. <laughs> so, Martin, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> this is all in the name of science and wool exploration. You can. Uh, Woolly Ellie with her hand spun for a ply. It was, she did a rough wash in warm water, uh, washing up liquid, rinsed it cold, worn in bra again, definitely softer still. Dry Gardening, of course, did a third wash block and wear um, with her blacker Aaron. She did it in the regular laundry again, uh, but this time tumble dried with heat for approximately an hour and a half. More distortion, tightening, flattening of stitch definition. Surface hairs and kemp largely reduced to a tight fuzz. Feels strong, close to no drape, still pliability left. Worn directly against the chest for a day. Lots of movement, comfortable with next to the skin softness for me. Um, that's great. Uh, so I asked of thoughts for use. Um, thinking that Green said, here in Canada where winters are brutally cold, this wool is most comforting when worn over a light cotton garment uh, or as an outer layer, but also excellent next to the skin for hats, mitts, curls and scarves. And she goes on to say, I've used this wool in the past for hats and mitts. I currently am making a cardigan uh, in Black Welsh Mountain. It, I will definitely use it again. The wool does not pill, as is evident from my other well-worn garments made with wool. Brilliant to know. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Nick Green. Practical Cat said of her arms coat manor DK, this is a warm, sturdy, resilient and attractive yarn that would be great for less sensitive skin areas such as hands or warm outer layers to go over a base layer. It would make a lovely blanket or cushion cover. Ramsey Baggins said, still feels a bit velcroy, a bit coarse against the skin. Um, seems to be fairly waterproof, definitely a hardy workhorse. I think thick over socks and outerwear thoughts that I had initially are on the button. I would also use it for an outerwear hooded jumper if I was going walking or something. It's waterproof but warm and not as sweaty as a waterproof can be. Brilliant, thank you very much for that. 
Dry gardening said lots of fooling and felting possibilities. Outer layer garments generally, uh, but fooled felted garments are okay next to the skin. Also appears it would be great for tapestry weaving, rug weaving, art projects and likely to be wear resistant. WF Cornwell said the black uh, Welsh mountain yarn is gorgeous colour but it's quite unpleasant to knit with because of the shedding and the prickly shorter fibres. After the wash and wear test I've changed my mind quite a bit. I can imagine uh, a pair of great socks, maybe a hat, although I still would think twice about knitting anything that I can wear on my neck or arms. They go on to say, excited to participate with wool exploration in my first for my first time uh, but I was so annoyed that this yarn, uh, with this yarn that I bought some more black Welsh mountain from Desert Weir, another US Black Welsh Mountain um, yarn, to see if it was different, if a different spinning and preparation would change my thoughts. The colour is similarly rich, uh, but this yarn is soft and plump and lovely. It isn't shedding at all and it reinforces the importance of how fibre is prepared. I'll be curious to see what other exper- experiences people have. Bellara19 said I absolutely loved Black Welsh Mountain. Uh, it was one of the first single bead tops I ever spun and I am glad I started there as it's a really good wooly wool with a nice staple. Um, great staple length for drop spindling. I used it to embroider the face on a crochet bunny and it's performing wonderfully. I wouldn't uh, put it on my neck but I would uh, wear a hat, a jumper, a hard-wearing boot socks or gloves and homewares. I think it would also be great in colour work. I myself um, loved the colour, how dark it was. Um, it was very like a Shetland wool for me. The colour was was black as Guinness but, but had a, a real warm glow to it. Um, I think if you feel like you've heard that Blackwell, I think if you... Um, have been listening to this and, and some of the other Welsh Mountain group we've, we've looked at, you'd think I wouldn't wear that next to my skin. I think you would be pleasantly surprised with Black Welsh Mountain and I will definitely be spinning more with it in the future. Madame Maigret adored the yarn. Um, everything about it was glorious. The smell, the feeling, the handling. I want to knit everything in the Daughter of a Shepherd book with it and I w- it would be good for any next to the skin garments. Its toothiness would make superb colour work. It's warm, uh, for jumpers, mitts and hats and she says she loved, loved, loved the breed. Wooly Ellie said that Black Welsh Mountain would make an amazing jumper and she's seen dark colours over dyed um, to great effect, like a red dye on dark hair and that would be fun to play with. Mm, I would never actually think of trying to dye Black Welsh Mountain because it's so black but I, I think... That would be really interesting. And if you do that, Willie Ellie, please share your findings in the Welsh Mountain chat group and the Woolwork group on Ravelry. So that is our Welsh, Black Welsh Mountain. There are two other experiences that I want to bring to you. I hand spun some white Welsh Mountain. Um, I, and I hand spun a, a sort of a sport weight. It was quite light. And... Uh, I I got the fleece from Witchwood Spinner and I flick carded the locks. There was lots and lots of dust and kempy hairs and uh, dandruff um, that were shed in the process of of, uh, flick carding and also spinning, drop spindling. But the wool that it created, I I chain plied it, was lightweight and soft. Um, 
my spinning on this one was a little bit lumpy bumpy and that was due to not really taking lots of time to properly flick card you know card the the wool it was it was all for the uh, you know in the name of of um exploration i didn't think i would have time to do this properly for this episode so it was a bit it was a bit harem scarum but i think that the the yarn that i spun really uh, captured some some of the light nature of the wool the wool wasn't lustrous per se but it gleamed i just couldn't believe it when i held up to to the light it wasn't like a lustrous sheen it was kind of like if you've ever seen a moonstone crystal how that gleams in the light it's almost luminous i really i really enjoyed that i mean although it was white wool there were there were darker finer darker hairs amongst it but for the most part it was really luminous um and initially i thought that it would make a great cabled hat or garter stitch item it spun lighter than the, the black welsh mountain did and the yarn had a bit of a halo on it so the fabric also did have a little bit of a halo while i was knitting with it but it was lovely and smooth to knit with um, i got a really nice stitch definition despite my slightly lumpy yarn when i washed it the first time with shetland soap company wash it softened up a lot in the water although it wasn't you know harsh by any means before i blocked it out and it seemed to dry really quickly and the resulting swatch had a bit of drape to it but that gleam was still present in the light the tan hairs were quite visible too i have to say i wore it at my shoulder and neck all day and i didn't feel it at all as it was very light very warm there is definitely the presence of a fiber halo on the finished polygon quite a short light one um but it's still there pleasing fuzziness i washed it again in the same way and it softened up even more but perhaps less gleam though who knows because the light at the moment is is not great uh, it might on a bright day it might gleam a little more i don't know slightly less drape after the second washing block it feels thicker in the uh, in the fabric uh, and a little more filled out wearing it was lovely and i did forget about it when i was wearing it this time i wore it on my shoulder uh, and neck under my bra strap again again anyone who might think that welsh mountain group wool sounds harsher um if you can find a white welsh mountain yarn or you want to try spinning some i would i would encourage you to give it a go it's not as hairy as the characterful badger faces and there's potential for a lovely woolen spun yarn if you spend a bit more time uh, preparing the fibre not like me a white welsh mountain feels like a traditional woolly yarn and i guess it really is because it's been used for many years in traditional welsh woolens we also had a breed called grey welsh mountain now this one gave us cause to puzzle because as you'll have heard there were no grey mountain sheep mentioned in uh, the fleece of fibre source book and nothing that i could find in probing online and i took to the twitter hive mind and asked in there and there was a couple of interesting um, responses according to 
British Rule, i.e. the marketing board, they have a grade of fleece in their grading system, which is called Grey Welsh Steel. And as with many of the grades at the British Wool Marketing Board, that is a type of wool, a category of wool, not necessarily a breed name. So it could be any fleece that reaches the characteristic that has been set for the grey Welsh steel. Also, someone suggested that it could be an offspring of Black Welsh Mountain and White Welsh Mountain, and so that there's a grey colour to the fleece. You know, it could be it could be anything. I, I, I want to give this caveat because there is definitely not a grey Welsh mountain sheep. Uh, it's a bit of a mystery, but I've kept it in because whilst I don't normally allow crosses or, or, or blends of wool in wool exploration, I think it's quite interesting and I think it's quite important to remind us that even when a label tells us something, grey Welsh mountain... All is not as as it can seem, and it is worth probing further. Um, Willie Ellie tested out this quotes grey Welsh. She's got this fleece from Wingham's, and she has said that she's gone back to the website to try and find out more information, and it's not there anymore. So, she said, uh, hand squish grab, lots of Kemp, which gives a coarseness, quite a prickle from the tops when wrapped around the neck. So she thought initially this spun yarn would be great for outerwear. While she was swatching it, she said, this is hilariously Kempy. This isn't stopping me from uh, trying to pull them out altogether, though. There's some lovely yarn under there. I can feel it. <laughs> I keep getting glimpses of some delicious silkiness. When she washed it the first time, she swished it in uh, soak and warm water and eucelan. She wore it in her bra and was inspired by the Norfolk Horn Explorer who tried it on the inside of their thigh inside leggings. She said she could feel the thigh one prickling occasionally, wore it for a day after spinning a demo at Ruddington Framework Knitters Museum where it came in handy to whip out and show someone what Kemp was. <laughs> Afterwards, the lace looked exactly the same and the garter edge had a lovely squidge. Uh, the second wash, she said, was impromptu. At the end of the first day of wear, the thigh swatch took a dive down loo. <laughs> so she said uh, it was washed quickly and roughed up in the bathroom sink with hand soap and put over the radiator to dry. Uh, worn in the bra for a day. Not sure if the panic washing or the further wear, but it has developed the most delicious fuzziness. No shrinkage, but the stitch definition has blurred slightly and has the effect of light felting. No softer, sadly, she says. Thoughts after swatching and post-test, she said, despite the huge amount of Kemp, this is very tactile, and if I had a jumper in, I'd be stroking it all day, especially with the post-wash fuzz. A jumper neckband would be too rough in this. It'd also work for a hat or leg warmers or woven cushions. The colour would be beautiful, over-dyed. Oh, lovely. She also said, I turned to the leftover top to try and remove the kemp by hand, but there was just too much and it interrupts the rhythm by removing it while spinning. I think properly prepared, it could be a really lovely fibre. Thank you so much, Willie Ellie, for, uh, for that. It might be worth having a look at some fleece samples of the different Welsh Mountain breeds that we've talked about today to see if, if it if it resembled anything and that we might be able to find out what it is. Sadly, it's going to remain a bit of a mystery. Um, but um, thank you very much. Um, 
thank you so much to all of our Woola Explorers and thank you very much for staying with me through that because that was an epic um, wool exploration and I'm very grateful to everybody who not only explored wool but weighed in on the chat in the wool work Ravelry group. Uh, it's just always brilliant to hear how people experience these wools and it's always wonderful when people say oh I'm really glad you're exploring this, I've tried it and it's excellent or I've tried it and I didn't like it so I'll be interested to find out how other yarns compare. You know, wool exploration has just grown into becoming this incredible thing and I still have big plans to make the results available in a format that is readable and, and easier to, to find resource. I mean, you know, you do have to listen to it at the moment, really. I just am not in the place to do that, but, it, you know, it's it's definitely there. and It's definitely will happen. Um, but I am looking forward to wool exploration in 2020. And if you didn't listen to the last episode, the breeds for 2020 are going to be Hebridean, Zvatlas, Shropshire and Whiteface Woodland. And I'm keeping it modest with four. Uh, I have an idea for a fifth installment of wool exploration for 2020 but I might not say any more about that until a bit later. I still have to come up with a schedule for uh, wool exploration for 2020 but uh, suffice to say we're not going to be starting with Hebridean wool exploration in January um, so uh, there's no deadline at the moment. Uh, I will st start all the threads and put all the information in the Woolwork Ravelry group um, when I do so that you, you have that information. But, you know, there's no start date for any of it, so you can get going straight away um, if you want to seek out Hebrideans, Vartbills, Whiteface Woodland and Shropshire. Get going, get starting. It's good to get a, a heads up on these things. Um, thank you again for all of your all wool explorers um, from 2019, you know, thank you for the incredible, valuable work that you're doing and this incredible wealth of information that, that we're creating here. Not just information on experiences of the same breed wools, but also the wool vocabulary that we continue to create. It's just brilliant. So I'm just so thankful to you for this. Thank you. I suppose this is um, my last episode of the year. Um, the podcast will return in January. Thank you very much for everything this year, my woolly friends. Thank you for supporting Woolwork, Knee Knit British. Thank you for participating in the Fieldwork Cal with the Good Intentions Club, with the Tin Can Knits Along, the Small Gesture Swap. Thank you to everyone who participates with wool exploration, from chatting to exploring to adding your valuable experiences. Um, thank you to everyone who's been on the podcast this year. Thank you to everyone that I've met at events. Um, and thank you if you've bought me a coffee via coffee.com. I don't have the podcast sponsored and I rarely talk about um, costs and money on this podcast, but everyone who's bought me a coffee know that it's gone into making this podcast, either in actually buying me coffee to sit in a cafe while I write episodes, or it's gone towards um, the hosting for, for the podcast uh, and the website and things like that. And you're absolutely not obliged to do so, but I'm ever, ever so grateful when someone does. And I always say thanks via coffee.com. And again, here I say Thank you very much for everyone who's 
who's uh, chosen to support the podcast that way means a lot. Thank you for all of your online contact. Just thank you. Um, I couldn't do this podcast without you. I say it all the time, but your enthusiasm for your own wool work just makes this whole experience for me. Um, and your ex- your enthusiasm for um, this podcast and, you know, just carries me forward. So thank you very much. Um, and a very special thank you to those of you who don't chat in the Ravelry group, who don't follow on social media, who you know, listen and participate along, right along with us at home, but don't don't feel the need to show yourselves, put your head above the woolly parapet. That's good. I see you. I know you're there. I'm very, very, very grateful to you um, for your support. A further reminder of however tough you're feeling um, just now, whether it's general election, the world at large, um, or just the impending um, festive, again, quote, air quotes, time ahead. I am here for you. Uh, and um, do do take time out of all of this to carve a little time for yourself. Um, I know how hard it can be. Uh, I will put a link in the show notes to some useful phone numbers um, and resources if that's the kind of thing that you need and just know that light is being sent towards you from Woolwork HQ until next time take very good care Uh, I'm going to play out with Snowy O. McSnorson and the Oh So Snowy Snowmen and uh, Felice Navidad Feliz Navidad Feliz Navidad Feliz Navidad Prospero año y felicidad Feliz Navidad Feliz Navidad Feliz Navidad Prospero año y felicidad I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad, prospero año y felicidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my Wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart.
wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom. Here upon us before we even knew it is this fuck. Black Welsh Mountain and she said what the fuck's going on with this? It's shrunk, shi- shrunk slightly. Interest and importance of local wool is building all the time with buyers. It's building, 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 building. Just like the importance of eating local wool, supporting local... F- <laughs> eating local wool? Apply. It was a rough wash in... Uh, wa- <laughs> ah, that's a cat puking. Meh. <laughs>